Welcome to Extraordinary People, the podcast that highlights people who inspire others, have made significant contributions to the world, or who have overcome adversity. This show is hosted by Shirley Bogtel, author, educator, wife, mother, and grandparent. Learn more and subscribe today at ShirleyWachtel.com. And now, here's my grandma, Shirley Wachtel. Hello. Welcome to another edition of Extraordinary People. I'm so happy today to welcome uh, a friend, and that's Cindy Rabinowitz. And Cindy has been... Uh, a friend of mine for a number of years, and she's um, a very devoted and generous person, and uh, it, the families have been friends. So I'd like to have a chance to talk to her today about a different aspect um, of her life that I haven't delved into. So let me tell you a little bit about Cindy. Cindy Rabinowitz is the director of Cranford Senior Housing in New Jersey. During the past two years, she has tirelessly worked to protect the welfare of the elderly and infirm during the COVID crisis. Cindy has an extensive history caring for the senior population, beginning with running the largest kosher Meals on Wheels program in Brooklyn through JASA, the Jewish Association for Services for the Aged. She later created the New Jersey Supportive Services Program at Cranford Senior Housing and then developed the New Jersey State Supportive Services Program at Cranford Senior Housing. And um, I know through the years that uh, Cindy and I have been friends, uh, one thing I can tell you about her is that she has a very big heart very generous, very caring. She volunteers at our synagogue and she does all sorts of things. So it's really a pleasure today to welcome you, Cindy. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and having a conversation with you. It's very, very cool. So um, I'd like to know first, before we get into everything that you've been doing lately, a little bit more about why you decided to go into this field of um, geriatrics, caring for the elderly. What was it about you that first drew you to this field? It was my grandparents. We um, lived in a two-family house and in uh, Canarsie, Brooklyn. And my grandparents lived downstairs from me. And they were my role models. Um, my grandmother was a bookkeeper. My grandfather um, um, worked in on the financial end of um, check cashing and 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 such. He would have been an attorney, but his um, um, father died very early, and he couldn't go on to be an attorney. So he had he ended up being a a, a butter and egg man. Uh, and back in the day. And then that um, he ended that and he ended up going into um, check hashing and such. And um, so they were oh, very, very active, um, very, very active people. And I admired them. Um, and then um, uh, when I went to summer camp um, called Wilmette, 
um, there was a, you had an opportunity as a, what's called a pioneer to do service for um, for people. And where I was a pioneer, uh, that was at age 13, um, there was um, the Feder- Jewish Federation had elderly people come to the camp for two weeks and um, get out of the city. And um, they had their little bunks and, and their little uh, cottages. And we had a lake. And because I was always into boating and um, swimming, I offered to um, take people out on boats and and give them rides and show them how to row. And um, one lady came down like every day and, and, you know, I said, do you want to go in the boat and I'll help you? And but, but no, 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 no. Finally, I got her to go in. We rode around and she really loved it. And one day on my day off I, I, from, from doing this, I saw her rowing by herself. And that really gave me such a good feeling that um, between my grandparents and this experience that I really wanted to go into, um, into, into working with the elderly. Um, the other thing is uh, when I went to the University of Buffalo, um, I lived in the College of Health Sciences, Health and Human called College H. And um, I originally thought I was going to be a medical techno- technologist, but you had to go through the sciences and chemistry was one of them. And after almost blowing up the chem lab, uh, twice and breaking all these speakers and not doing well in chemistry. I said, okay, what else, you know, what else can I do? And they said, well, human services. And I go, what is that? Like working with the elderly or, um, children or the disabled. And I said, well, you know, I think I'm going to choose, um, the elderly. And they go, you know, people say, well, isn't that depressing? You know, how can you work with the elderly? It's like so depressing. And I said, no, I find it fascinating because here they are, you know, they got to be, you know, in their 80s and 90s. And what a blessing. And I'm so interested in their lives. Mm. And when they come to my buildings, you know, I see a snapshot of them, but, you know, they, they, had such a wonderful, wonderful life in or or not per se. And to hear their stories is just it's just fascinating. So that's what really brought me to um you know to my interest in um in in gerontology. So it's like you really get a front seat um to all their experiences. Uh, I I think that's, you know, looking at it that way, it's really fascinating. It's like the kid, you know, who sits um, on his grandparents' knee and just listens to their stories from back in the day. And yeah, you're right there for that. And I I haven't really thought of it that way, but I guess that's true. Um, So now that you're you know, a director of senior housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, my God, you've had many challenges. Um, tell us, tell us what your job is. What do you what 
occupies your time. I know that you're always busy because we were going to schedule this interview. I said, take it during lunch. And you said, what lunch? I don't have lunch. I don't have lunch. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I do eat. I do eat, but okay. I answer phone calls and, I, and um, I work with my staff and so on and so forth. So um, my job is to make sure that um, um, I'm, re- I'm responsible for about 280 people, about 260 residents and about 20 staff and between property management, uh, maintenance, um, social work, activities, um, soup to nuts. We are not just four walls. Um, we nurture the mind, body and spirit of the residents and make their their lives um, as as complete as they are themselves what they want. It can be four walls, but it doesn't have to be. They have volunteer opportunities. We're very service enriched and um, and 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 it's great. So my job is to make sure that everything flows smoothly. I have to we are um, both my buildings, um, we are responsible to um, New Jersey Housing and Mortgage Finance Agency. These are these are the outside agencies to HUD. Um, so we have to make sure that we're in compliance, Department of Community Affairs, um, the Township of Cranford. We have to make sure that we're all in compliance with all codes. And so it's, 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 it's administrative in that respect. That being said, um, um, when you walk into my buildings, um, I'm right there. You know, the office is open. We're not sequestered in, in, um, and away from residents and, um, they, they know that we, they can come in and, and chat with us. With the pandemic, it's been a little bit more of a challenge because we do maintain at minimum six foot distance. We are masked, which is so sad because, yes. you know, I mean, you could see smiling eyes, but you can't see the face. And so, especially when I meet someone new who moves in, you know, my mask comes down so I could, they could see my smile and, and, and it goes back up again. And um, unfortunately, you know, with my residents, you know, they, they put, they wear the mask, but under the nose, you know, I can't breathe. And I go, I'm sorry, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it can still spread. And it's, it's just been with the pandemic, a, a challenge. And oh, yes. I've seen a decline in, in many of my residents and it just breaks my heart, but it, there's not much that we can do, you know, about, about that at this point. Um, we encourage them to participate in our um, activities where we are now. We're eight feet distanced because of the uh, Omicron virus um, and we're masked, but we do exercise and we have grab and go uh, lunches um, and, um, and, and dinners through um, a state funded program which that does that uh, is the supportive services program. And uh, we've been doing that since 95, 1995. Mm -hmm. And, and that's how I started in Cranford with the supportive services program. Right. Uh, My my predecessor um, put in for that. Um, I worked in Somerset prior to that, uh, doing that program. And then I moved over to Cranford. Yeah. I worked in Meals on Wheels for a while, also back in the day. So yeah, it, um, it, it's great. Um, it is. When when I um, came to New Jersey, 
And well, uh, 36 years ago, when my daughter was an infant, um, I drove the car and she was in the back seat. And then there was a jumper that delivered the meals. And I was the driver and the other person was the jumper. And I just, I still wanted to feel productive. And, and then they said, uh, can you, I ended up being um, the director of volunteers for, um, for Jewish Family Services in, in central New Jersey. But my, it didn't last long because then I, cause I got pregnant and with, with my son. And, and so I said, okay, that's enough for now. And I, I didn't really go back into the field until um, like David was in, um, was in like first grade, kindergarten, first grade, like around then. Mm, right. Right. Um, so before I really want to delve into some of the unique challenges that COVID uh, pauses, but I just first like to get a sense of how large of a staff do you have? And also, uh, does the residents provide different levels of care? I just want to try to picture that in everyone's mind. Yeah, sure, sure. So I have about 20, uh, 20 staff. Um, I have t- there's two buildings. One building is what's called a, a project-based Section 8 building where uh, you need to be age 62 or older and um, you have to have a certain income limit limitation and um, the rent is 30% of your of, of your adjusted income. And it's independent housing. Um, you there, there. You don't. If you don't need any service, you come and go as you please, and so on and so forth. Um, the other, my other building is called the tax credit building. We are also you need to be sixty-two, age sixty-two or older. Um, but the rents, it's more what's called affordable housing, where we have two set rents. The rents in Cranford for a one-bedroom go for about eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month. And the rents um, in this building go for the mid 800s or the mid 900s, depending upon the um, individual's income um, and also independent housing. And then we layered with a state funded program uh, called the Congregate Housing Services Program. And we layer that with um, nutrition and housekeeping and personal assistance and medication assistance. So it all started with just meals and housekeeping because what was happening was people were going prematurely into a nursing home because they couldn't cook for themselves or they couldn't afford to have an aide come in because the uh, minimum um, amount of hours that an aide would come in would be four hours. And that gets quite, quite expensive. So their only option would be a nursing home. Now, with someone with having meals um, in the evening, um, they were large enough that they could have, you know, lunch the next day. So it really, it really helped. And then housekeeping, because it helps the building. And I, as an administrator, um, get another set of eyes on the on the unit themselves and how they're being kept clean and such. Because, again, you know, when you're 80s, 90s, even 70s, you know, um, your vision isn't, isn't as as good. You may not see what's on the floor. You cannot get down to clean, you know, the, the bathroom, the shower. And and some people say, you know, get depressed because it's like, well, I can't do it. And I really can't afford 
you know, the housekeeping. So um, it, the, the, the fees are based upon their disposable income. Uh, which is their what's called adjusted income minus their rent. The state gives us a grid as to what the copay would be. So the residents do pay, but it's according to what they can afford. And what was happening was I was finding that there were some people that were isolating themselves. Uh, they weren't coming out of their apartment, especially the ladies. And I go and find out that, well, they, they can't get dressed. Their arthritis or the other medical conditions precluded them from putting on, excuse me, their undergarments or whatever. And so they just stayed in their house coats all day and didn't go out. Mm. So what I developed was a shared aid concept where we, we, um, um, we partnered, we hired a, um, an agency, a home care agency, and we had what's called a shared aid concept where the aid would go from one apartment to another to help the individual getting dressed, maybe being there when they shower, maybe preparing a little breakfast. And then as soon as they're done, they leave and go on to the next resident. And therefore, the resident would only pay for that portion that they were there. So it's economical. It's 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 really um, 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 a high quality of service and affordable for the resident, and it's it's perfect. And then I was seeing that at one point that the ambulance was coming like like three times a week to my buildings and taking the residents out to the emergency room. And we come to find out that they were not taking their medications properly because of either some dementia, mild dementia, or mm-hmm. they couldn't see the, the, the medicine bottles or um, they didn't have children to maybe do the boxes, you know, to prepare boxes for the medications. And so we, through um, the age, same agency, we developed a medication assistance program where a nurse would oversee that work with the doctors and the nurse would set up the boxes and, um, and have aids that are certified medication aids to cue the residents to take their meds. And I've seen a dramatic decrease in hospitalizations or, you know, emergency room visits and squad coming. Mm. So with these different elements, we're able to keep the residents in their, their own, their own apartments with dignity for as long as possible without having to go into a nursing home. It's great That's for them. It's lousy, it's lousy for my wait list for people mm-hmm. waiting on to get in because um, well, I don't have yeah. as many apartment turnovers. Right. And as far as that's a great thing, that one little it, change really makes a dramatic uh, has a dramatic effect on their lives. Exactly. Wonderful. Exactly. It's, a, it's a fabulous program. In addition to that, we have um, a county nutrition program for lunches twice a week. Um, and you uh, pre pandemic, people come together and eat um, for mm-hmm. lunch. And then we have brain games. So it stimulates, you know, it nour- nour- nourishes the mind and the body, you know, and then, and the dinners are congregates too. So people can talk and eat. Unfortunately now because of the pandemic, I, I can't have that right now. And that is really, really the yeah. biggest challenge. Yeah. Maybe pandemic. you can um, 
go into some of those challenges posed by the pandemic and how you, you know, accommodated them as the changes were happening in our society. Because, you know, at first we did not know, all of us were kind of in the same boat and we did not know what we were dealing with. And then later on, we had the vaccine and now things are, you know, tough again. And, and uh, from what I know, you've been pretty successful in handling this very, very difficult task. So tell us about how you did that. So first off, I have to credit my husband, Eric, because we were going to have our St. Patty's Day party um, in March when this was starting to come out. And um, I had called the health department. And at the time, you know, again, no fault of anybody else. We really didn't know you know, what to do. And I called the health officer and I said, I have, you know, 120 people coming and we have, you know, the entertainment and we have the food ordered and this and that. And he goes, well, if they don't have a fever, you know, then they can, then, you know, they can come. And I said, hmm, maybe, Mm. you know, and I was very, I was very, very, very concerned about that. But again, I was, I was too close to it you know, to make that decision, you know, and then my husband said, shut it down, cancel it, take, take the hit, pay, pay your vendors, you know, for the, for the meat, you know, for the, whatever, you know, cover, cover your entertainer and shut it down. And I did, I shut it down because, and thank God I did. What a smart move. Yes. That could have been a super spreader, right? as we call it now, you know, um, right, right then and there. And so I do credit, um, Eric for that. And I, and I, I bless him every day for that. And, um, it was very smart, um, uh, of doing that. And, and of course, you know, of course it hurt and I felt badly for the residents, but we, we had to shut it down and thank God we did that. Um, so different, different things. We have one laundry room in each of my buildings. And so we made up a schedule, uh, where only two people could be in the laundry room at one time and the people needed to pick a time and that, and to this day, we still have that in place. And I find it really very productive because now, um, people know when their time is instead of bringing their cart of laundry to the laundry room and seeing that it's filled and then they have to go back up to the, to their apartments. And that's frustrating. So now they know that they have a time and it's set. And if they can't make it, then they call us and we work with them. We figure things out. And we, we help them out. So that's one thing. Um, only two people are allowed in the elevator at one time. Uh, now, actually still, but back in the day, it was one person in an elevator mm-hmm. at sure. one time. You sure. know, and of course, people weren't happy with me, but. Um, I, I was not the most popular person to say the least with my residents, um, mm. to, be, to be quite, um, nice about that. Cause there were other words that, that could be used. Well, um, tough love, tough love is needed. Well, well yeah. there you go. And, um, so those, those, um, you know, we used to collect, 
we're very old school and we take checks, you know, for rent and such. And, and sometimes we, we, we help people fill them out because, you know, as again, as you age, your handwriting starts to get more of a challenge. And if they don't have somebody to do that for them, you know, we help them with their checks. Now we have um, um, a mailbox where the checks go into. So we diminish the contact of um, the residents of the staff. We have plexiglass around our desks. Um, we have staggered hours. Um, at the very, very, very beginning, when we had to, we weren't even allowed to go to work. Um, we had to stay home. So what do you do? And yeah, I packed everything up and I, I worked from home and my maintenance staff was truly skeletal and we only had emergency services. Um, and it was, um, maybe a one maintenance person, um, um, at a time, or if they needed, uh, if it was a two person job, um, they were doubly masked and they had to do what they had to do. It was my maintenance crew. It was my social work team. These were the people that, um, that made the difference. You know, mm -hmm. they are, they are the heroes. Mm -hmm. um, and, well, and they, yeah, they, I mean, they, they are the blessings. Um, my staff are incredible. And without them, uh, we wouldn't be there. I have um, on-site superintendents um, who live, who live um, in each of the buildings and they work tirelessly. They were sequestered. And um, without, without my on-site staff, um, it, it wouldn't have worked. We would have had a really big problem. So um, I, these are these are the heroes. I, I, I personally don't consider myself. Uh, I am an essential worker, but I don't consider myself. Well, you're 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 really too modest because it takes a strong hand to get everything coordinated and to delegate the tasks and to oversee because you know you've heard of the phrase the buck stops here. So well, exactly you're the place where and the buck stops. You know, and that and that's true. So uh, because of the uh, policies that were implemented and the strict we had um, um, outside, we had um, outside vendor come in to, and they were in like the hazmat suits. They were um, um, doing the, um, the extra cleaning, the sanitizing. We had the um, vents, we had outside team come in to clean out all of our vents, um, making sure that all of our um, HVAC systems were, um, you know, were cleaned out and, and doing what they had to do, you know, as they call the microbial, whatever it is that they had to do, they did, you know, to make sure that things were safe and our, the air was safe and constant notices to the residents. Um, I have a large Russian population. And so, um, I have a gentleman from, um, who's actually in Florida in the winter, but, you know, with email, it's great. And he's Russian. Um, he had worked with Jewish Family Services, um, and he translates my my uh, my note my really important notices to the Russian uh, population. And um, so everybody, you know, understands. And I have a Spanish population. Uh, my super um, is bilingual in Spanish, so um, so she and also maintenance staff are bilingual, so they they speak Spanish, and um, I also have um, um, uh, house um, people that come in for aids who actually speak Pachua 
you know, and uh-huh. Creole. And so wonderful. Um, different. Yeah. So we try to communicate in different languages so that people understand exactly what needs to be. There were buildings where they shut down everything. Um, and the thing is, is that you, you can't, you can't, you have to allow um, medicines to be delivered. You have to allow food to be delivered. You have to allow um, aids to come in to help um, the people there, you know, um, safely get in and out of a shower and to fix meals. Those are the essential services that were allowed in the building. Other than that, we did not right. allow anybody in the building. They were not allowed in. And that's tough. That's tough because, you know, family members and all of that. But I think, you know, safety comes first. Exactly. So. We're very blessed. We have balconies in each of the apartments and, and, okay. and patios. So we're very fortunate that uh, we had um, residents see their families outside. Mm-hmm. And and on the on the balconies and such. Um, and then as it got a little bit warmer, you know, people were able to be outside. Um, we've had my staff had hunk parades where we were in our own cars and we um, through the air and, and hunk and yeah, like and, for the kids birthday parties. I see them doing that. It, it, exactly. It, it, exactly. In May of 2020. Uh, we had an out, outside, we were able to be outside six foot distance. Um, um, one of our entertainers who happened to have been a son of one of my residents, he said, you know, um, can I please come outside and, and do this outside? And I said, well, as long as it's six foot distance, we're okay. And we're masked, you know, I mean, really. And I was there, it was on a weekend. I was there to make sure yep. that, yeah. that, you know, we were, compliance and um and 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 that was and that was great we try to do what we can outside you know through before we had the vaccines you know mm-hmm. and right. and then we were a site uh we got we got um the vaccines on site oh and that was through the diligent yeah. work of my social worker and other staff people that made um, it much easier much easier yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah yeah, we jumped on my my um, my social worker and um and another and another um, gal who actually was furloughed because um we didn't have the nutrition program, so I had to furlough her, and she came she volunteered her time oh. to help us organize the um the vaccines along with my social worker because it was a huge endeavor, and but it worked and right. you know we had to maintain six foot distancing and Walgreens was phenomenal with us and um they worked and so we had um three three clinics for the first vaccine and then we had three clinics for the second vaccine well for the no three three clinics because you needed the first one for the original then you needed the the, the second one you know uh, later on and then people that couldn't go because you had to be healthy to mm. get the vaccine and if you weren't healthy then you couldn't have it Right. So we gave people multiple chances to to get it, and then this past October we had the booster on site. So um, it was fabulous. Yeah, right. we we really um yeah, it's great. Cindy, um, we we began um this conversation uh, talking about uh your your joy in working with seniors yeah. and um and I I wonder if two things. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, what are, 
what are some of the lessons that you've learned? Um, how, how long did you say you've been director there? Since 2000, since 2013. Okay. And then yeah. working with seniors prior, of course. And so what are the, some of the... Since, since I'm uh, like uh, 20 years old. <laughs> sure. Just a little bit of time there. Yeah. Um, so um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned? I recall when my mother was in a facility, and unfortunately, she was not doing very well at all, but I did observe um, some of the others. And it was... I did learn a lot from it. So I'm wondering if you could share some of those lessons. And finally, I'd like to end on an upbeat note. If you could perhaps share one story with us that stands out in your mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I have to think, but what... When I, when someone comes to our senior housing facilities, you see a snapshot of them, of where they are now. And, you know, you, you really can't, um, you really can't take away that this person, you know, um, is, is, is not a nice person or they're, they're just mean or, 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 you know, how, how they behave or what their attitude is. Um, I, I, I find that so many people's experiences through their lives shape them into where they are at that point in time. And if you get, have the opportunity to learn about that individual, you can almost see why they are the way they are. Um, you know, a lot of my residents, um, especially residents that came from Russia, um, you know, they had nothing. And so when we have, um, people donate food or, or they, or they, um, when we lose somebody and the, um, the, they, they put the canned goods on it, on a table, the, the people, you know, take it. And or when we have um, there was a woman who who went to the bakeries and uh, we got extra breads and, 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 and bagels and stuff. They would get down there, like be the first ones to to get to get the food. And at first, you know, I had there was disdain, like, like, why are they like, you know, doing that? But then if you understand that that you know there were bread lines for these people that they really had a very hard life that you saw things say oh this is why it is this is why they they are you know people are this way you come to understand you know what shapes them and how they are um that's one piece another piece is i find that people that find joy in in life and mm -hmm. and and have great attitudes and find different perspectives those are the folks that really um live to um to a lot you know into their 90s um and unfortunately a lot of them have, have a lot of loss they even lose their children which is so difficult. I mean, it's, that shouldn't be, you know, in the course of life, you should be, you should be, you know, saying, you know, you want, you want to, out, you don't want to 
outlive your children. You know, it's mm-hmm. the circle of life. And, and that's very hard to, to capture. Um, when I first started in 95, I, there was a woman who helped me. And she had been um, a force to be reckoned with for throughout my time at, at Kribitzia Housing. Um, her name was Helen. And she was a very, very uh, spiritual lady and found joy in so much. She was the president of the Tenants Associations and she was very active. And I said, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be just like her. And and she lived until um, 93 and she was a, a beautiful soul. And that's, you know, when I see people who are living their best life in their 90s, I say, mm. that's what I want to aspire to. And, 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 and that's, and that's it, you know, um, mm. it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Well, so. I have to tell you, it sounds like you are just like her. I mean, Cindy, you are truly um, one of our unsung heroes, and I love that you gave so much credit to the people that you work with for all that they've done, you know, above yep. and beyond, and they they deserve to get that credit. They deserve uh, their accomplishments, Absolutely. deserve Absolutely. to be heard. Yes, absolutely, so, and it's still going on. And 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 unfortunately, this virus is wearing us down. Yeah. But you know, we persevere and we go we go forward, and yeah. and that's what we do. You know, and um, you know, with a smile on our face, even though you can't see it. But the yeah, okay, there you go, there you go. You know, Cindy, we as I said, we've known each other for quite a while, but um, I just have such a new appreciation and admiration having had this conversation for you and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. And I hope one of these days we get to actually see each other and be with each other. (laughs) I know. I know. uh, Thank thank you. you. And thank you for highlighting all this, you know, special people in this world, because there are so many extraordinary people, you know, who are, who are doing extraordinary things Hmm. and, and, and it's beautiful. So that's really great that you're able to have this platform to have others, you know, just share their stories. And I think that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. You too. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Extraordinary People. To learn more about Shirley Wachtel and to subscribe to the show, head to ShirleyWachtel.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Extraordinary People. Extraordinary People.